0: From back to the Podcast. I'm your new co-host, C. Diesel, a.k.a. Captain Kim Pachi. Uh, to the left of me, I have the loose V. To the right of me, I have Professor E. King of the Comics, Ethan Murphy. Uh, guys, how y'all doing, brothers? I'm, good. I'm pretty good,
1: man. Uh, we got a, a nice guest uh, wound up for today. We got a, a very interesting show to cover. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, excited for this episode. This going to be a good one. We'll be back for yeah. a little bit.
0: Hopefully, yeah. They boy really bad right now. Like, in the worst really? way. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, if I, if I was going to say, boy, I'd take the hat off, shave, and then have, like, a red thing panning across my face. Like, i I go that way with that word. Not Jesus. Then, you know, yeah, we're not going to
0: do
2: that.
1: We're off to a fantastic start.
0: I love Fire it gun. All right, guys. We have a special guest today. A friend of us, a friend of the pod. Uh, Mr. Chris Miles is going to be here with us today to talk about some stuff. Let's
1: get our get, get our guy up here. What you, what it know is
3: chris what's going on, y'all? mr I miles i don't think my quality is as good as y'all's. It's you not know it's
2: mysterious like it, you know, the, uh the, the looming like batman like the batman of this, this
3: i'll podcast. take it i'll take it. he's he's the goat he's my favorite superhero but um
2: where would not he be
0: thank you guys for having me on the show i appreciate it of course preferences by you you probably know this already, but. Residential hater in the top left, I bet, wrong direction. He's going to hate him some shit, potentially. Be ready for that. If you want him to shut the fuck up, just go out. <laughs> got it. That's, <laughs> That's we how do. we're starting off, man. We don't I'm do like, that, but we give guests the opportunity to do that they want to. Just be prepared.
1: First off, I got nothing to respect for my guy, Chris. Because without Chris, this show technically wouldn't exist.
2: No, 100%. 100%. For, for those who don't know, as Otis said, wouldn't exist. The reason that I know Otis at all is because of Chris Miles. Chris Miles hooked me up with him. Uh, like over a year ago, as far as like getting me almost to almost two years ago, almost two years ago. Was sorry, almost two years ago, he riffed uh, Christopher. Yes, was it was 2020. It, yeah, yeah, it was because was, it, it was the uh before the pandemic or during the pandemic,
3: it was during during the pandemic. That's when I was, yeah, you, know, so. you know, just you know, connecting you with all the different blurred platforms.
0: That's right. So it's yeah. like two and a half years now. He started the podcast in like 20, like the summer of 2021 or 2021, or other. Mm-hmm.
2: Because we first had tried to. A long story short, Chris referred me to Otis as far as having him check out uh, my book. Chris bought my book, uh, Slade and Ash, at a convention a while back, and then he referred to have it read by Otis and the folks at a previous incarnation of of Bay, so to speak. And then Otis and I started hooking up and become, became good friends afterwards. And so yeah, so we, we wouldn't. This wouldn't be here without Chris. So thanks a lot,
3: Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up. yeah. One thing about me is you know I love connecting you know people and. I think the blur community needs that. Like we need more people to, you know, just network with and build with. I feel like that's what's missing right now. Like we're missing uh in the blur space, like that uh that go-to platform. So, or even just you know, more content in the blur space. So I'm always happy to make those bridges happen. And um, you know, like for me, Otis Otis reached out to me back when um, you know, he had the other platform. And I was just making content. So I'm just, you know, just years I say all that to say years later. I'm just glad we're, we're still within the space where we can, you know, shed a light on, on our community as black people, but also as black nerds. And I'm just I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be a part of it for real, for real. Well,
0: Chris, could you could you start off by just telling people uh what you do and who you are, I guess? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess it would make more sense that way. So I'm a content creator, social media influencer um also a writer too i got a chance to write for marvel comics with Charlemagne de god from the breakfast club and that's actually what led me to GalaxyCon, where i saw the people that was helping um ethan promote his comic book and and selling his stuff so i went there because i just wanted it was my first writing opportunity um and I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit but that was my first opportunity as a writer so i just wanted to go there to network and and learn what my next move should be because it was one of those things where I was kind of a third party. I wasn't, you know, I didn't talk to anyone at Marvel. Charlemagne just hit me up and, and wanted some creative ideas and I gave him a whole concept and he liked it. So um, that's how I was able to get my first writing credit and I would like to do more writing and producing. So that's why I went to Galaxy to Network and stuff. But before that, I was just making memes. I made a meme page called Critics of Culture that's why it says at the bottom, Chris Miles, a.k.a. Critics of Culture. And a lot of my content started going viral. So I've been reposted on a lot of the hip hop um, platforms such as, you know, Vlad TV, Hip Hop DX. i um, been reposted on The Shade Room, been covered on The Breakfast Club, Complex, like all the major hip hop outlets. have covered my content. You know, my content ranges from, you know, anything nerd related or anything hip hop based. Um, and it's all via memes, so I'm, I make memes, you know, and like I said, a lot of them have gone viral. So you know, that's just a little bit about myself. But I'm just an overall creative person, and I love, I love trying to bring more awareness to the Blur community. That's it. So Sorry if I was long-winded. No man, oh, you f- dig
2: it. I dig you,
0: it. We, we actually, do long-winded on here.
1: You're you're cutting yourself short because I mean, yes, on the front end, you uh, you know, you make the memes of that that of. Uh, that, that that you know got my attention. and gotten the attention of so many other places. But you also have been a connector piece between so many different people within the blurred space. So I, I definitely got to give you your flowers for that, my guy.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, thank you. I'm 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 like Nick Fury, you know, trying to bring <laughs> the
2: Avengers together. Oh
0: my
3: God,
2: yeah. Of course, he, he knows what Charlie's favorite character is. so Yeah, well, play He's my favorite
0: character. He's In the Marvel favorite.
2: world, he is. Oh
0: yeah.
2: Well, I mean, here's the thing, Sam Jackson. The actor portray him is one of your favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but
0: Nick Fury, he up there.
1: Who, who's above you, Uh him in the MCU for you?
0: On um, this, the cinematic universe. No, that's it, the only time. We yeah, got we're talking, about that's, 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 that's we're, what we're talking about. Nick Fury. Well, you you guys said that, that in my head. I'm thinking about like. Well, the, I was just I'm saying. It, I was just saying in general. Yeah. I didn't just
3: MCU. I just meant. I just meant <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I was thinking <laughs> as too.
0: Anyway, um, Chris, back to you. I'm curious, like, at what point. First off, when you when you were creating your content, obviously, did you kind of do it as like a hobby at first, or were you seriously pursuing that it, thing? and It was you made the
3: page? It, honestly it was on a whim. I um I don't know if y'all heard of the comedian T K Kirkland, but he um yeah. he was putting a, he was doing a lot of videos with Lad TV, and I was looking at the comment section, and I was like, yo, this is funny. There was like all these comments saying um T K Kirkland did this, T K Kirkland did that, because he has all these stories of putting people on and. Kind of being the Forrest gump of being at every event or every situation in history. So um I wanted to make some memes around it. I was like, yo, no one's talking about this. Or this isn't in anyone's algorithm. So I was like, well, let me go ahead and make a meme or two. And I did just that. Um and ironically, Charlemagne is the reason why I made the Critics of Culture page because I was actually trying to pitch him an idea back in 2019. But his uh, a friend of his was telling me, he was giving me some advice. His name's Wax. It's like Charlemagne's bodyguard slash yeah. best friend. He was telling me, um, yo, you should create another IG page that way Charlemagne can see your could see your ideas and just tag them. So I already had a second Instagram page, but it wasn't for memes. It was to, you know, try to get Charlemagne to see my content. Once I uh made that meme of TK Kirkland, I was like, well, let me just post it on this other page and and just try to tag him on that page. So I deleted all the content I had previously that I was trying to pitch to Charlemagne, and just use that page as a platform to, um, um, I guess, I guess, get TK Kirkland's attention and show other people the memes. And it was one of those things. It was like a snowball effect, you know, one meme after another. The page kind of just took off, and then every now and again. I would send Charlemagne to memes, you know, because I know he likes funny stuff. So I just sent I'll send some to him. And then one day he was like, yo, uh, make a meme about such and such. And I did just that. And I sent it back to him. He liked it. He tagged me in it. And that's how I was able to. I got like 5,000 followers in one week. I was like, I had like only a cup, like 300 followers. So I went to like 300 to 5,000 in one week back in 2019. And this is the same year that I just started and the page just kept growing from there. So from there, I just kept being consistent. So I say all that to say, like, you know, for anyone that's out there, that's, you know, taking the road, let's travel, just be consistent. Even when you don't feel motivated, persevere through all the BS and just be consistent. And that's basically how the page grew to be what it is. I was posting on IG and posting on Facebook and, you know, Pages kept growing and growing
0: from there. On the, <clears throat> on the same token of like persevering, I'm assuming you've had a situation where people have like stolen your content, and like mm, moved yeah. watermarks. How do you like what? What is, first off, what is your first initial like thought process? Like, is it anger immediately? Is it confusion? How do, I what is in like the what
3: beginning. We're... I think in the beginning it was it was. I ain't gonna say anger, but I would feel some type of way because I'm like y'all are a big. It'll be bigger platforms stealing my mm-hmm. content. I'm like you guys are bigger than me. Oh. Like, like the I, I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. The Hip Hop Lab they stole one of my memes. Um, I can't think of who else, but they was definitely one. No, no, there was that one, and then another platform, but they're smaller, so I ain't even gonna mention them. But the Hip Hop Lab, they're they got a they got a you know a pretty good following. They stole one of my memes, and um, then there's situations where you uh. Someone might share your content, but they don't give you credit. So one day Hip Hop DX shared one of my memes, and so did Royce the five nine. Royce shared it first. So they gave Royster the credit, but this was my mm. mistake. And this is, you know, I also want to share this with creatives. Make sure you you watermark your stuff. It was one of those rare occasions where I just happened to forget to watermark my meme. And that was the one that Royster59 reposted so mm-hmm. when he reposted that uh hip-hop dx reposted it and i and they've reposted my stuff before so i just reached out to him and told him that i was the one who made it and i showed them proof of it and they eventually gave me credit so um yeah definitely make sure you get credit for your content and and water and don't let no one tell you otherwise don't let no one tell you to just take it on the chin or it comes with the territory no i'm i'm a firm believer of you know fighting. Fighting for what's yours, because I've been a victim of that. Like the the Breakfast Club covered and Charlemagne wasn't there, so I'm not necessarily blaming him. It was just Angela Yee and DJ Envy, but they covered my Bow Wow meme. I posted a meme of uh, I said, uh, why what I say? Why are the people on this list considered corny? And it was Bow Wow, Drake, Will Smith, Wayne Brady, Logic, Childish Gambino. I think it was just them. And Bow Wow commented on it. And everyone's reposting it, the Hollywood Unlocked and all these other platforms, Hot 97. And then they cover it on the Breakfast Club. And Angela Yee gave the credit to Hollywood Unlocked. And, you know, me and her spoke about it. So it's it's there's no beef or anything like that. But um now she follows me and you know, now she knows who I am. But the only reason why she knows that is because you know, I made a big deal about it. I made a post saying like, hey, I didn't get properly credited for my content on one of the biggest platforms. Like just like I've, I know for a fact that when all these big platforms, you know, are reposting other people's content and they tag you or credit you for it or they cover your content on their websites or whatever, that brings traffic to your page it gives you a level of notoriety so, you know, the right people know who you are. Like, there's a bunch of people who follow me now just off of the strength of Charlemagne cosigning me. So I'm able to, you know, have a DM conversation with Kenya Barris. I'm able to have conversations with, with, with Carl Jones now because they're, they're, it's like one of those things where I'm sure you're, you're aware this, Ethan, but like if you're trying to break into, the, into Hollywood, they always tell you you got to have an agent well how do you get an agent you got to have a referral like a lot of times it's they play that who you know game where Mm -hmm. the only way you can even talk to these people if you're trying to break into the industry is if you're already connected to someone who's in the industry they kind of got to put their their shoulders around you or you know so a cosign is everything but i say all that to say like you got to um You got to fight for because I wouldn't even be able to have, you know, being able to have access to someone like an Angela Yee had I not made, made it public and said, yo, I did not get properly credited for this meme. This meme, they gave the credit to Hollywood Unlocked. And, and she, and she said it was her producer. Her producer gave it to her, you know, Mm -hmm. as is. So she's just following her producer's lead. So it's nothing against her, but had I said nothing, you know, me and her would have never been able to actually you know, have a line of communication is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause you we were, we're told a lot of times is, you know, don't, um, don't worry about it. Just let it, just let it slide. And I just think a lot of times that doesn't always work for the little guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: that's so,
0: Is, go
1: ahead. The, uh going off of with something that you were saying a little bit earlier, can, can you tell us about how you were able to make a connection to Carl Jones? Because I mean, oh, uh, so someone big in our space. So.
0: First off, tell the people who don't know who Carl Jones is, yeah, give Mr. Like a Jones. description of who Mr. Carl Jones is.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, So Carl Jones is the producer of the Boondocks, Black Dynamite, and just various different you know animated projects. He's also the showrunner of uh, The Last OG with Tracy Morgan. So he's got a lot of he has his hand in a lot of different things um Carl Jones I think I believe he f- he followed charlemagne, and I guess because Charlemagne kept reposting my stuff um he eventually ended up following me, and I had already been following Carl anyway, so when I saw that he was following me, I was surprised, but then I found out that he started his own animation studio. I had an idea I wanted to get animated, so I reached out to them and you know, it wasn't Carl who I spoke with. It was a guy named Omar. Shout out to Omar. He's the head of their production. Um, it went from being like a a meeting to an interview because he ended up, you know, asking me questions, you know, about me and, you know, the things that I've done. And I guess based off of the success I was able to have off Critics of Culture, he felt like I could be an asset to Martian Blueberry. So now I, I work with um, I work at Carl Jones Animation Studio. Um, you know, helping bring awareness to to his platform and his content, and uh, and things like that. So that's that's why that's why it's, it's crazy. My story is kind of crazy. It's like one thing kind of led to another. So that's why I say it's it's kind of like a snowball because the ball's still rolling. Like like that whole that whole idea of Nipsey Hussle saying the marathon continues. That's literally what this is. I'm I'm still in the race. And I still work a nine to five. Like I'm not. Right. Like, I haven't. I haven't made it or anything like that. Like I gotta be to work tomorrow.
2: <laughs> right.
3: My but that, own that's that's one thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but but since, I've, since I've known you, Chris, you have been. I know. You, I know you now for. What, three years. You, three, three years since 2020. Right. 2020. Yeah. But you've been since then. You've always been hustling. You've always been doing multiple things. Most of the times, I've, I've been talking to you actually, like either on your way to work coming back from work like a long hour like a twelve hour shifts or whatnot. So you've always been hustling, man. That's great. I love that about you.
3: Yeah, I try, man. I um I'll share it with y'all. I had this dope idea. I ain't, mm-hmm. I ain't gonna share the whole idea, but I already made a meme about it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'll share it. But I said I made a meme. I said um what will black people talk about? No, what will black people uh what will black people talk about in a barber shop set in the marvel universe yeah i think that's what i said (laughs) yeah so (laughs) yo when i posted that there was so much material in the comment section and yo, the comment section is great like those blood that's why that's why the blurred the blurred platforms they need they need their space man because like the the level of um i guess camaraderie and you know community we have for each other the love we have for each other is the reason why I feel like a lot of my platform gets, gets around because that's where I will post my stuff. Like, so I just, you know, whether it's Planet Ejob or blurred world or uh, blurred approved entertainment, it's like all the blurred platforms have shown me love. Like even, um, I don't, I don't know if I should be going to bleep their names out, but you know,
1: yeah, know uh, know. Otis,
3: yeah, you know, Otis is, yeah. Otis is an old platform. Like they, they, definitely helped bring more awareness to critics of culture so that's why it's like it's it's just i don't know for me for someone who just kind of you know stumbled his way to being a content creator or social Mm -hmm. media influencer i don't know it's just it's kind of surreal for me so uh i i I just want to i just want to say thank you otis i want to say that now i think i've said it before but i'm gonna say it again publicly thank you otis for you know even wanting to rock with
1: me well, of course, I mean your your content is always spoken for itself.
0: Yeah, you, get this man know. his flowers, people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, know,
1: it's always, you know, we've always had a good solid relationship where we can you know talk back and forth. So I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to you know kind of connect you to to that to to have that uh, relationship grow more. So uh, I'm glad that I could be a, a, a step in the in the in the path, but definitely all a you, step. Guy. It's all you, my guy
3: definitely definitely you you definitely contributed to you know to my story and you know me being able to you know just to expand critics of culture and i don't because I'm still you know and I'm still figuring things out like i said i don't i don't i'm I'm not rich <laughs> like i <laughs> like i gotta i gotta you know save some money to get me a new car like I was just in a car accident so i'm I'm still dealing with real life situations mm-hmm. while having to be consistent online because the moment people lose interest you start losing followers and mm-hmm. don't nobody want to talk to you no more you lose engagement so like it's a it's just a real job like i treat it like a full-time job because i work i work part-time i don't even i don't even work a full-time job i work part-time so i can give all my attention and energy into social media
0: mm. so as, a, as as content creators obviously you'll work really hard on a project video whatever it be and in your head, you're like, "Man, yeah, this is fire, this is gonna do well." Do you do you have like memes or particular things like that to where you'll make it? And from your perspective, it seems like it's gonna be hot. You think you know it's gonna hit, and then nothing doesn't. But Hell then you yeah! You have this other meme <laughs> that you just made because you were tired. You didn't give any thoughts to it, and then that one is the one that blows up and goes crazy. Yeah, yeah that happens. Yeah, go. That yeah, that that's happened before. I um.
3: Actually, the one I forgot to watermark was one was was that meme, and uh, that's why I, that's why i hate I hate the process like I hate the learning process of sometimes you gotta you know fail before you can win. It's like I don't know, I really just wish I could win the whole time, but that that was a you know one of those situations where I just had to learn from it, remember to watermark my memes, you know. Nah, I hated that. I hated that so much because, like, anytime that happens, I feel like that that was traffic or engagement that could have went back to me. Not to not to step back on the the Breakfast Club situation, but like after Angela B <laughs> and DJ Envy reported on that story, all the other blogs ran with their narrative. Like they, so that means everyone else is saying that Hollywood Unlocked is the one who made the meme or or bow Wow was in hollywood unlocks common no bow Wow was in my comment section that's the thing so that's why you have to make sure your narrative gets told correctly because that story that story was told wrong and it, i feel like it cost me uh, a certain level of followers engagement and even opportunities like no one talks about it but these jobs didn't exist 15 years ago like like being a a content creator or a social media influencer you can you can get a you can get real like come ups off of you know the the content that you make like whether it's through partnerships sponsors you know people want to collab with you work with you like going viral in America can be life changing if you execute it properly
1: right you know, you're Not right doing there right and then also making sure you have the infrastructure to handle that influx of attention when it's when it comes to you I mean that's also really important too when yeah I
3: mean, definitely definitely and i'm i'm you know and those are things I'm learning because I'm a creative I'm not business I'm I'm and i'm i'm still learning that like I'm still getting my business acumen up but I, from you know as far as like how my mind works is just as a creative first so I'm always thinking of different creative things but Yo, I haven't got paid off of one meme I've ever made. Like I got all this viral success and you know getting all these reposts on these platforms. I ain't made a dollar off that. I haven't made. I only make money through promo. I make money when someone needs some content reposted on my page because I have a certain amount of followers. But I haven't made any money off of any creative thing that I've done um, as critics of culture or as or like Chris Miles like solo. Like, like with Carl Jones and stuff, like I work directly, you know, under them. But I'm just saying like me as alone by myself, mm-hmm. I ain't, I haven't made any any money like that opportunity with Marvel. All I got was a writing credit. So and I'm not mad at that. I understand, you know, I understand, you know, how it works. But I'm just saying like, like it's you have to have a level of, uh I guess, discipline, too. You can't let money be your only source of motivation. You have to have a, a level of passion for it as well, and that's just me. Like I'm, you can't. You, I'm not moved by money. You know, you can't. You can't sway me or persuade me or anything like that by telling me a dollar sign. Yeah.
0: Well, man. Uh, speaking of you know getting a buzz on social media and things of that nature, uh, we have a really big topic that we wanted to cover today. That was, yeah, the that was a single I day. appreciate. Yeah, was- See, I appreciate that. I watch I work hard on these. this. Man said buzz. Yeah, buzz buzz. We'll get the yellow on the day.
3: He did it again.
0: Chris, we have uh, well, there's obviously been a big show that's come out fairly recently called Swarm. I'm guessing you've seen it right. I think everybody's seen. No, nah,
3: I haven't I actually haven't started Swarm yet. Like I'm 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 behind. I know about it, like I know the premise mm-hmm. and stuff, but I haven't uh caught up on it.
0: Okay. Well, if you want to partake in the conversation, you're more than welcome to. We're gonna to try to keep things as spoiler-free as possible. As oh, we, we are information on it. The- yeah, we might as well. We mean, can. You know, it's up to y'all. It's-
2: you know, it's- you know, it's- yeah, yo, It's, not, it's like not weeks. We can. I'm not emotional.
0: Yeah, I'm not emotionally invested
3: in that show. Yeah, it's like if we was now if you was talking about Demon Slayer or something, then yeah. Because right now everyone's talking about the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. So. Next yeah, because yeah, yeah,
2: I, I, I only know I only know the anime for Demon Slayer. So I don't know any of. I know Otis has read the manga all the way through, I'll so we I'll can't do spoilers for
1: I know, I know. Yeah, that one very yeah, good. you know too. Yeah, much. Yeah, so he's <laughs> so, yeah.
2: So we can't do this, So we're not
0: doing spoilers at all for Demon Slayer. So anyway, first mm-hmm. this Forget it. We'll spoil it. Fuck it. We'll do it. We'll get into yeah. it. Uh, we're talking about Swarm, show created by uh, Donald Glover and Janine Neighbors, uh, both the co-directors and writers on Atlanta, team back up with Amazon and doing some great things obviously with them i think they have like a multi-project deal with amazon actually i think glover is going to be doing a mr and mrs smith like spinoff show pretty soon here and janine neighbors is getting like her own tech independent show too so i get i don't know if swarm was like the first beginning of their deal with amazon or if it's something that they had to kind of do to get into their own projects but to say less it's a good project altogether i'm enjoying it um, obviously started Dominique Fishback, somebody that's done very well up until this point and stuff like Project Power. It, it's a pretty good cast. Obviously bringing in some other pop stars. We got Billie Eilish in here and some other notable names. What did, what did, what did, you, what did you guys think about this series wait, wait, all around?
2: I always appreciated Otis's face. While you were talking, just his face. was uh, we'll, we'll do a. We'll do an actual uh, yeah. a, a, a short of just Otis's face reacting to every word you said this then. I, mean,
1: <laughs> I was listening to him. Doing my
0: homework, man. I'm trying to do my homework from now on
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the the homework uh i respect the the opinion i don't necessarily agree with but i mean we're gonna get into it we we're gonna a... get into it we're gonna
2: get
0: into it oh god all right we're gonna get into it first and foremost you guys know how we rock around here let's mm-hmm. get overall thought process on the show as a whole mm-hmm. and then we can break down individual parts so mm-hmm. otis the residential hater go ahead give us your first thoughts Mister taking it please
1: uh so i mean sworn uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed the concept of it like you know bringing some of the things that have gone around uh, Beyonce's life and putting that into this series I think it was a great idea um, some of the performances are really great I thought Billie Eilish killed her episode right like she I didn't know she had that in her I think she murdered that um seeing uh, Idris uh well uh, damson Idris and yeah. uh, Chloe in the first episode was uh very very uh intriguing that was, uh, <laughs> that, was, that, was that was that was an entertaining episode
0: yeah was intriguing
1: but uh overall i think that it's uh kind of subpar um i think that the idea for everything uh that he wanted to show was there but i think the execution of it was uh mediocre especially when we get into the later episodes um like, there was a fake documentary within there that literally just, like, was a completely different cast, essentially using the same terminology, but it's supposed to be within the same world, but it was fake. Like, it was not a real thing. And I, it it, it it, being where it was kind of disrupted the flow of the series. It took me out of the immersiveness of it, so I didn't appreciate that. Um, I, I wanted more from this. Like, I, I wanted a, a little bit more of, like, a... Cohesive storyline to build up to something, and I don't necessarily think that we're gonna get more of that or any of that. I think it's just pretty much done where it is. So I didn't necessarily appreciate that. Um, it it was okay. Bottom line, it was okay. Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah. e. so my my opinion, I didn't because I at the episode for those who don't know, or for Mr. Miles, our guest, um, the, all the episodes open by saying this is not a work of fiction, so that you know it's meant to be inspired. Uh, by something. And then I asked uh, Otis and Charlie what, what this was meant to be derived from, and they told me how this is actually, for those who don't know, this was based on events that actually happened with Beyonce and her fans uh, or stalkers or whatever it might be. And I thought that was a pretty pretty interesting angle to, to approach this show from. Um, and like Otis said, the execution can get a little rough at times. There were times because each episode is roughly about a half an hour long, mm-hmm. and there were times when the episodes dragged bizarrely, they seemed bizarrely slow at times. And then once they, when, when something finally happened or, or popped off, it was, like, it, was, it was like very engaging. But it was weirdly the pace uh, was kind of, it struggled at times. It, it struggled to keep my attention from time to time. However, where, like I said before, when things got going, I was thoroughly enjoying it. Um, it's just that they were so mismatched. I couldn't quite enjoy it all the way through. Mm. Uh, Billy Eilish's episode or Billy Eilish's performance. If you didn't know that that was Billy Eilish, you'd be like, wow, this, this is an amazing thespian doing their thing at the, at the height of their, their, their craft, so to speak. Killed it. Killed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, and like you mentioned before, the star of the, of the, of the piece, Andrea... Uh, what's her name? Dominica... Fishback. Fishback. Domin- That's her name, Dominic Fishback. Wow. Uh, yeah, she, 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 did, she showed up. She showed up every episode to do her thing. I mean, you believe she was disturbed in every way possible. But it was just a little inconsistent overall. And in the episode that Otis mentioned, the one that was the pseudo-documentary, it was interesting because I kind of liked it, but at the same time, it was bizarrely anachronistic and what what I mean is because it's like they were in this within the world of this show they were they were pretty much saying that this character we've been watching is a real person doing these real things yet they put pictures of another fake person doing these things um and all this stuff is based off of real events that happened so you think they may have, might as well have gone all the way and actually had a real news report from a news from a real reporter in our real world showing this stuff or kept consistent by having the main this these characters having showing pictures of her or whatnot but they didn't do that. They did something in between which is weird even weirder. Hmm. Um so overall it was a enjoyable ride, just kind of a weird, weird one, weird and consistent one. i say hmm.
0: so unlike my two colleagues here, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. Obviously, me being a big horror fan, I kind of have a soft spot for the genre in general. But with the show itself, I in the the critiques I agree with a lot of them mostly being that documentary style episode. I think it was like the eighth or it was the second to last. Um sixth. I I with that one either I would have either moved that episode like near the beginning of the show possibly if you really wanted to have that in there or would have kept it all together. I feel like that episode did kind of throw off a little bit of the pacing for me and kind of interrupted the immersiveness of the show because you really weren't it's kind of out of left field from the last episode. Um but things I loved about this show obviously it's very much so similar to the shots of Atlanta and like Glover does this, like, long shot thing where he'll focus on a singular shot, but he won't focus in on, like, a single point in the shot. He leaves, like, a bunch of subliminal messages within the shot or certain things um, that are supposed to be more, I guess, philosophical in nature or kind of be, like, a metaphor to something else. But it's because the shot's so wide and he doesn't focus in on anything else, unless you're, like, re-watching the episode or, like... I had to find, like, three different videos on YouTube of people breaking down what individual things meant and what he was trying to convey in that episode, which was cool when I found out what they were, <laughs> but the fact that I had to go and, like, research and find people that hyper analyze it to find out what he meant in that or what that was supposed to be, I-, I think that was, you made me work a little too hard for that, for your message there when it came <laughs> to that. But, a little,
1: pretentious, you know? yeah.
0: little bit, but I, I, I like it, though, to an extent. I, I like the way that he shoots his stuff. It's, I like the low... The slow, everything I liked about Atlantis is what I liked about the show in general when it comes to these shots. I thought the character writing was really well done. Even all the, I, I can't think of too many side characters throughout the show that I didn't like to an extent. Even the jokey characters with uh, Paris Jackson and her having the whole run about her being black and that whole little comedic oh, gag day, was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shout out to Melania Obama. Malia Obama? I can't, I can't pronounce her first name for the love of me. Uh, she, she helped write episode five. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know That, that okay. specific episode with uh, Paris Jackson, actually. I think that was episode five she did a great job for that i thought that was a really great episode probably one of my favorite ones but to get into my favorite part obviously which both my counterparts have already spoken on the Billie eilish episode um i've been a i've been a pretty solid billy fan since like my third or second year of college for people that don't know uh her family she comes from like a family of creatives like her parents were both act i think her mom was an actor and her parent her dad was a, a music artist so And her brother, like, writes and helps write and produce a lot of her music in general. So that whole family is just, like, crazy talented when it comes to being creative. So I, it, it surprised me to an extent on how good she was acting in that scene. But I figured she'd have some sort of acting job. You, I don't know. I just feel like you grow up in a family that creative and that talented. It's tough for me for you not to pick something up. Uh, well.
2: Not to catch am sorry, but she—the only other thing I seen seen her acting before was—I uh, mean, she hosted Saturday Night Live um, mm. several months ago. I, I think she had done some stuff on like Disney Channel or whatnot before, but I hadn't—I oh. hadn't seen that kind of stuff. So it's this role, for me, I was like, "Wow, she actually can!" Because she's very different when she was doing sketches.
0: Mm. Um, so, if you watch her music videos, her music videos are very much so like horror themed, and so she fit the billing to me. Um, I can't say she did like, too much acting in that, but she did like crazier stuff, like having spiders crawling out of her mouth, needles everywhere and mm-hmm. shit like that. She did stuff to that similar degree in her own music and videos and um, things of that nature. But it was dope. I thought the series all around was great to me. I, I liked the idea of it was kind of like this weird, not an anthology series, but kind of like taking this deranged character and throwing her in different environments and seeing how she reacts. I even loved it even more near like, the end in which... You're seeing her kind of being reformed by meeting somebody else and her going through all that past trauma and then seeing that snap. Like, Dom, first off, shout out Dominique Fishback. I got to give her a round of applause because the character acting she did in this was nuts. That's like her acting in this was on the part, on the level of, like, Homelander level where that person is portrayed a crazy person so well, I don't know if I could trust you in real life. Like, I have to make, like, I have to look at you like out of the side of my eye to make sure you're not snapping on me. And it's, I think, I don't know if it's the eyes or what it is, but people that portray crazy characters that well, I'm like, you got to have something loose to an extent, because that was nuts.
2: Well, she, I mean, what was, was fun, too, was uh, is that the even in that documentary episode, which I, I thought the, the documentary episode was interesting, it just kind of seemed odd where they did it. It mm-hmm. kind of talked about how this person who has essentially different types of psychop- psychop- psychopathy. And getting into that, so to speak, and actually made sense based on what we saw of this character. Yeah, she's displaying all these symptoms of someone that's dealing with these abandonment issues and other types of things like that of that nature. Uh, I feel like Dominique did a fantastic job of portraying that. I'm guessing she probably did some research um, as well. So it was really it, she was a very engaging character. And seeing, like you said, how she interacts with different different environments, or the, the what's the final episode where she actually has, which you'd would imagine would be kind of her happy ending with um, what's the the actress that played uh, her. Her lover for a while. Um, she was. Uh, she played Iris in that in the in the Snyder Cut version of um, Justice League. Um, what's What's her name? What it? I'll, I'll look it up. But but all the all I'm saying is that she. It seemed very much like she could have had her perfect ending. Her Hollywood ending could have gone off into the sunset with her with her lovely girlfriend, but she couldn't stop being who she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she had to, of course. She like you said, she snapped back into. Being that monster. And, it was, and she was set up from the very beginning. Uh, we know since the very first opening episode that she was obsessed with uh, the character who's basically Beyonce or... Naja. Uh, naja. Yeah, Naja, right? Naja. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and her girlfriend says, I hate Naja. I hate her to pieces. And mm-hmm. ordinarily, that would have set her off. She would have killed them. Dead. I mean, she has killed multiple people for saying that kind of stuff, but she didn't do it. So uh, throughout the episode, she keeps on saying over again, I do not like Naja. I hate Naja. Then, of the course... Uh, Dominique or Drea buys these tickets that cost her like several months of rent. For these big, huge, expensive tickets gives them to her girlfriend, and she's like, "I hate these things." He snaps, he loses it on her, and then Nija, oh, I'm sorry, then Andrea snaps back and goes back into full Homelander mode, and just, just just kills her on the spot. And like you said, the way she did it with that like, with
0: those cold, brutal way,
2: those cold shark eyes, I was like, just I was disturbed watching it how she did it. I was just very disturbed. Uh, so yeah, her performance was second to none.
0: The thing I love about that scene as well that that I think Gambino does really well is almost almost some Tarantino type shit where he builds that tension of the scene, like in her going in the act of like murdering her girlfriend at that point. There's no music, but it's like the way it's shot is that you it's from like an elevated position, so you're seeing things from like almost not a bird's eye view, but it's almost like you're looking down on it. At least from my perspective on it, where if like to me it felt like I wasn't supposed to be watching this, which I guess makes kind of sense, but. That's at least my perspective from it. it. It was really dope in the way it was done. This, like that, that's one of the best things about the show is the shots to me.
1: Yeah, right, I, I do believe that they uh, they got some great shots for it. I think that Dominique's ability to constantly reinvent herself throughout the the series was uh, definitely uh, high tier as well. Uh, my issue was just like more so in the cohesiveness between episodes and making it feel like a series it, it did feel almost anthology-esque where like it was just completely just separate one-off events i feel like a little bit more cohesion between those would have uh elevated my score for it a little bit mm-hmm. but i mean overall it was an enjoyable thing like this it i think this is a project that is uh it's a higher level than what majority of content that is coming out right now but it's still i feel like i could it Bino can put out better, so I, I'm curious to see more from him. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't just like just go and say like this is a a great piece. It's 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 okay. It's
2: okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I I applaud them for what they were trying to do. It was a very different portrayal. Also, I can't think of any. It doesn't happen that often that we have um, the portrayal of someone dealing with you know any kind of a mental illness that is a you know a, a black female on screen. That doesn't happen that often in a, a compelling character. And I was glad to see that done well. Um, and she did an amazing job. Like you said, the performance was amazing. It is much bizarrely kind of anthologic in a sense that there doesn't seem like that you're watching a character's consistent lifestyle because it seems that like she's in the first episode, she's a, almost like a child and she has a breakdown. Then by the next episode, she's like somehow already like a home serial killer. So, like how would she go from point A to point B so well? Hmm. Uh, so, it's so that a little bit of the gaps in time there. But again, it's, it's still enjoyable enough. I still enjoy watching the ride, enjoy the ride. Uh, this the style of filmmaking that you're describing, Charlie. The kind of the um, like a fish angle, not a fish angle, but a fly on the wall type of style. Yeah, is, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. You're you feel almost like you're just kind of just capturing, you're just seeing life unfold in front of you without knowing what you're supposed to watch necessarily in full detail. I think it can work in certain sense. Um, so I enjoyed that as well. The actor's name is Kiersey Clemens. That's the person who p- who played her lover in like the final episode, showing the, the oh, life okay. she could have had if she had chosen that, but her, but her psychopathy psychopathy wouldn't allow her to have that.
0: So. Mm. Also, I guess adding to Otis's point about the pretentiousness of it, apparently they have shot this entire thing on 35 millimeter film, right. uh film camera. Oh, and according cool. to Gambino, it was like, he's like, I probably shouldn't have done that shit. I just did it to do it because they did to wipe all kinds of cobwebs <laughs> and shit out the lenses. He was like, I wish I would have just, just like stopped it. and not did that shit. Just, um, just I guess for some more background information on it, apparently this, I don't know if you guys, have you guys seen the movie, uh, The King of Comedy with mm-hmm. Robert De Niro? Apparently this took a lot of inspiration from that according to... Uh, to, again, oh, I can see yeah okay. he said he took a lot of inspiration okay. from that um yeah. so it was again I, I think it was done well I'm I'm not mad at the non-cohesiveness of this just due to the fact that the whole show has been based around this incoherent person yeah. really like even her mic even down to like the final episode I think, so question for you guys I know this is a question I've seen all you get, over you get to it yeah. yeah do you guys believe that chloe bailey's character was a dre i can't not drea um i can't remember her, um, her sister's name that she killed herself or that dre murdered her dre murdered her because that was the whole thing i heard i heard the question of like drea murdered her and she saw dre, what she dre. wanted to saw dre. Dre. like
1: that's one thing that i've seen people post online repeatedly and it annoys the fuck out of me her name is dre not drea not andre not andrea her name is dre
2: Cause I thought she said Dre. I heard her I thought she was called yeah. Dre. I thought her full name was Andrea. I thought D- it was her thought
1: full her full name, yeah. yeah, her name is her full name is Andrea, but what she yeah. goes by from episode to episode, Dre.
0: Dre Dre. 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 Okay. Like the last episode. Um
2: But yeah, yeah. To, to answer your question, um, yes, episode. I, I I I do think that Chloe Bailey's character, what her sister's name was, did kill herself, partly but partly because she had a history of it. I mean, she said that scar she has on her wrist is mm-hmm. from her triumph four. Uh, So I do think she did. Also, based off of how overwhelmingly in love with her Dre is, I can't imagine her doing that. Also, when she's dead, she's with, she's literally with a guy. Like, she's no, Mm -hmm. she was in bed with another guy at the time. So unless she snuck out and came and snuck back
0: in. So the theory is that, because obviously she has abandonment issues, and whenever somebody's about to leave her in that series, she kind of loses it a little bit. And the theory is that she murdered her sister and then left and kind of dissociated from the whole event. And that's when you started having the whole point of her, like, getting text messages from her sister, even after she's dead. Like, she's, like, hallucinating and seeing those text messages and, like, her speaking to her after the grave or whatever else, and that being the motivation going forward. wasn't she texting herself that we saw we actually saw her with the two phones
2: texting herself she was at
0: least she was imagining that it wasn't an actual well she did at one point she did Yeah, uh, we actually saw
2: her doing it but a later
0: point remember in the the third episode where after she had murdered a guy in his house she's sitting in the car you just see a text message pop up without her doing that right she started seeing them in her head so that was the thing like with, with that show like you never know at least i think that's what gambino tried to convey is like a thing of like kind of uh muddying the lines between reality and what's in her head? Yeah. So you, I don't, I don't know if it was done to like the best extent, but I could see that being even down to like the last episode in which she gets on stage with right. uh, with Naja, naja. Mm-hmm. and then like she sees her sister's face, and then gets in the car. When in all reality, they're not. She's not going to like protect her and take her to the car. Yeah, nothing mm-hmm. that So happens. you never yeah. know what's really going on. And I think that was the whole point, or part of the point of, or main, one of the main, um, one of the main points that he tried to convey in the show is. Tr- not trusting the the not trusting her perspective on stuff yeah, uh,
1: that's that, the, yeah. the afro surrealism that's kind of like uh something that bino goes into heavily between this show and uh atlanta um just making sure that the, the even the audience doesn't fully know exactly what was portrayed there and uh i think he does that very well
0: yeah
2: can, I mean can
1: I add yeah. right quick yeah oh, go ahead my bad we've
0: been at you in the dungeon
1: no, for no, minute, no, you, that, you huh? good I was
3: actually in the um creative think tank session and they brought up the show so like a lot of y'all talking points and some little what other people were saying but I just want to say that I think um as far as childish he um I think he purposely does that when y'all was talking about the episode that really didn't have too much Relation to the other episodes, he, he I think that's his writing style because I mm-hmm. I just noticed he just does that with Atlanta, and um that's the reason why I'm not caught up on Atlanta yet because I just I rather watch it all like um I guess chronological order and my homeboy referred me to the episode where childish went to um well earn rather went to a therapist and he was like because I'm petty so he thought of me mm-hmm. so he was like yo watch this episode I'm like well I didn't get I'm not caught up yet. He said it doesn't matter. The episode <laughs> he say said the Atlanta does all the episodes aren't connected. And you know, season mm-hmm. one I felt like they were more so connected, mm-hmm. but I think I'm I'm assuming season three and four aren't as connected as oh
1: no they're not the
3: previous seasons.
1: But well, there was that yeah. one
3: episode in like season one where like Paperboy was on a, a round table discussion, and then the that's now mm-hmm. did the whole I'm a white guy. Thing yeah. so the, he he had he did have a little bit of it in season one, but I just think in general, I think he likes to do that purposely. I don't yeah. think that was a, a mistake at all. Oh, it's not, it's definitely like, not a mistake. You Knows what I was trying to say, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, it's definitely deliberate. There was that episode too, if you remember that one, I'm not sure if you saw this one yet, Chris. There was episode, I think it was season two. Yeah, I think it's season two where it follows a kid in school. It's an episode called like the
3: Slap or something. Oh yeah, you talking about the the, mm-hmm. the kid that the parents adopted, the white yeah, adopted, <laughs> yeah, 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 the, the
2: lesbians. Yeah,
3: yeah, and then it they was, was talking about on um, Lake Lanier. Yeah, yeah, he he it with the
2: yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, no he
3: No, no, that was I think that was season three.
2: The season three? Okay, I couldn't remember which season. It was. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the beginning of season three. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah a, the yeah, first episode season three. But yeah,
0: for whatever reason, he likes to be random. But I'm seeing that a lot in like the horror writing now. Um, yeah, when you look at Jordan. like him, Ari, even though like the people aren't of like Ari Aster, uh, I can't remember the name of the director. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You mm-hmm. talking about
3: the strange thing about the Johnsons. <laughs> yeah,
0: that midsummer is kind of like that. There's the guy on Netflix, he did the haunting of Hill House, he does a lot of the horror stuff on Netflix. Yeah, those he has a couple of series. Um, yeah, yeah he's like that too, where he has films where They write them to where they try to like, they'll jump in and out of the continuity to try to throw off like, they try to confuse you. And sometimes it works where I'm just like, okay, was what I was seeing real? I think Gerald's game is the biggest one I can think of. Just like that, if you guys haven't seen that, um, pretty
2: solid. The Stephen King one,
0: yeah. No, well, I think it was based. It may be based off that. It's based on Stephen King book. Yeah, yeah, it was a solid film. I enjoyed it, but it was like that as well where they went. She went through the events of like hallucinating her husband and hallucinating events and. Things being there, and then at the end of the film, you don't know what was real or not, and it was it was a whole thing. But mm-hmm. I, I see I see it as like a consistent theme over of horror, like over the past like maybe like five to six years or so, maybe.
2: Well, well, one one thing too, have you all seen The Shining? I think I think you, I know you have Otis, obviously. Uh, have, have Chris and Charlie, have you all seen The Shining? No nah, I actually mm-hmm.
3: never seen The Shining. Yeah. Okay,
2: so real quick, Charlie, I mean, sorry, Chris. The Shining basically is a movie from the seventies that Kubrick did, which is based off a book by by Stephen King, which is all about. The horror comes from not knowing your mind basically falling apart on you. Where one guy's mind falls apart on him so much he becomes a an axe murderer, and then also watching his wife and kids' minds fall apart too. But that's, that's the whole horror. It's based around that. So I feel like we've kind of come back to that in a sense where that is horror. Again, it's kind of the minds. The mind can create a much more dangerous environment for you than anything else in reality, so to speak. Even American Psycho in the 90s, the late, late 90s, American Psycho, which has an old-deserved actor, Christian Bale, the whole idea is: Did any of this any of this movie happen? We have no idea. His his mind is so far gone; none of it could be real, for all we know. So yeah, it, it can be. You can do a really really good horror series with that, or even a black comedy. That's, that's what uh, Gambino is doing, basically, with Atlanta and this. You don't. It's almost a dark comedy with how how, how bizarre these situations actually are. And I feel like yeah. it's more
0: relatable. I feel like that a lot of people kind of go through things like that, not to that degree, obviously, but you're in moments where you're like, you will have a memory that you that doesn't quite fit or you'll dissociate about something else or something would have happened that you Mm kind of like remembered in an entirely different way. We do that, but I think shows like that or content like that takes it, and ramps it up like times 20, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it's something that you can kind of relate to happening to you. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, I think um, another thing is, you know, the people who I was in that session with, they were saying that um, this is actually new and you spoke on this, um, Ethan, we're not used to seeing black female serial killers. I've never
2: I've never seen it before I've never seen it before
3: so like that's that's one thing I got to give I haven't seen it yet but I just think you know people like Childish and Jordan Peel and even you know mm. Kenya gets a lot of flack too I think you know all of them are trying to redefine you know what it is to be black in America right. what a black story is you know like all of these things are like pushing boundaries against what the status quo was like we, we we've been told we've been limited to only be certain things and mm-hmm. i think we need as many as we need a whole spectrum of black stories and not black stereotypes
0: mm-hmm. thoroughly, agree.
2: thoroughly yeah couldn't agree more
0: and as a horror fan i enjoy always enjoy seeing like black creators get into the space um i love seeing jordan peele and even like we've talked about it on the show before even if like to me something like this show is needed it was great, and it wasn't like the most spectacular show, but it was something different, and an attempt was made there. And exactly. you can build off of this. You can see other exactly. Black creators come into space and build off that. That's what I felt about the Candyman uh, reboot that Nia costa got. It was cool. It wasn't amazing, but it was something to build off of. And exactly. we were getting more people that look like us in this genre, and I think that's what's needed to tell some nuanced type of stories. And say what you want about Jordan Peele, but the stories he tells are nuanced and they're different. They're not. Stereotypical, they're nuanced, and he's trying to get mm-hmm. convey some kind of a message across. I agree.
3: Yeah. I agree.
0: Uh, and, I'm,
2: I'm sorry, go ahead.
3: No, you good going.
2: No, I'll say it was even with like Jordan Peele, who produced the more recent Twilight Zone series. That was a very much an anthology series, and they're very different stories. They had different people, different races, and different cultures in it. And I, I, I was glad to see that that's happening. Where even with things, something as, as ancient as the Twilight Zone, but they're trying to have different types of stories that we are allowed to be involved with. We're not just always a drug dealer or a crackhead. Uh, we're doing something else, so
3: yeah, even um, I think he was involved with uh, Lovecraft, wasn't he?
0: Mm-hmm. He was a producer yeah. Was? okay,
3: yeah, yeah, so you know we're I think we're still learning how to be in the space, that's why I think I feel like get out and Black Panther definitely changed a lot of narratives as far mm-hmm. as what mm-hmm. stories can be told, and even- even Atlanta too, like there's nothing traditional or cliche about atlanta and and like. <laughs> like i think people i ain't gonna say they're getting tired of it but i think they're noticing like there's really no difference between bmf snowfall and power as far as the content like yeah the stories are a little nuanced but it all goes back to black criminality and it all goes back to your godfather of harlem as well it all goes back to you know black drug dealers like the stories you know have specifics that are different but its overall overall theme is you know black people living in these impoverished areas tapping into criminality to either get out of it or to make a name for themselves and i think Mm -hmm. we've seen that story done so many times and times and times again and i think that's why it's refreshing to get a you know some content from childish jordan peele and all these other you know black create even even what michael b jordan is trying to do with creed he's trying to you know make it a comic book i I would i wouldn't mind watching a box with with people that look like us for once, i watched mm-hmm. it immediately.
0: know <laughs> that's,
2: that's the I, I literally sold a car on um on Sunday to some blurs basically because they were blurs. They were they were ready to walk out, but because I was a blur, we were able to connect on on actually on a. Uh, megalo Box and and um Mbaki. He was a fighter and and they sold him a car. He, he was about to leave angry. So it's like we we definitely are hungry for we're thirsty before, we love that kind of content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Chris was saying, like we I mean, we want to see uh, people like us doing things like that, not just being the same old fall the same
0: mold. And to play of yeah. Chris's point, that's the one thing I love that about these new like, the creators coming in, is that they're taking these stereotypes and they're turning them on their heads, like Gambino a lot when it comes to like him wearing. I think there was one episode in Redland I remember vividly of him wearing FUBU to class one day. Yeah, and yeah, being like yeah. yeah, big yeah thing nah, that was fake sad. Clones. That was sad. Yeah, that was another weird right. episode. Yeah. And he yeah, turned he, that into something different. That's what I like. But about the it.
3: thing about it is that episode took me back to middle school because I remember trying to chase the trends. I remember yeah. trying mm-hmm. to, you know, dress like everyone else. And then, you know, some time passes and I realized yo, like by the time I by the time I I catch up to it they're already on something new. And I'm like, yo, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not going to play this game where I feel the need to keep up with this fictional race that we as a people are in. Cause it's not real. Like this Mm -hmm. isn't something that's going to benefit me outside of some, I guess, validation for however long the school year is or whatever that moment is. Like it's, it's really, it's real silly. And then I don't know. I think, I think, um, like even with Kenya, like I know people are getting tired of him trying to, uh, I guess, tell this the story of race through his through his own um, perspective. Like you got the blackish, the mixed this, the grownish. like I, I get it, but that's why I think everyone's necessary. I think I'm not saying that we don't need the drug dealer stories. I'm just saying that can't be the only thing. I'm not saying that we don't need Tyler Perry talking about toxic relationships within the black community. But that can't be the only thing like for a long time. Hollywood is like only investing in one black story, right? And I feel right. like we need them all. It's just we don't need more than, you know, we don't need Shonda Rhimes making another black woman that has to fuck a white man. We don't need that. Like if she's going to make a, a story with a black woman, l- let it not ha- let her not have to be powerful through a white man. Like it's mm-hmm. just the same type of storytelling over and over again. So mm-hmm. I think we need we need all of it. We don't need mm-hmm. just one. We we need, you know, spectrums of black stories. And then it can get to the point where we become universal and it's not necessarily based on race. It could just be a a, a simple story like Ch- like China doesn't look at Sam Jackson and Denzel Washington as, you know, just black actors. They look at them as actors and being mm-hmm. able to sell overseas is important to Hollywood. Right. That's the re. I think that's the reason why in a lot of the promo for Black Panther they kept Chad with Bozeman's face covered. Yeah, they, they, well, they, the- they yeah the-, the-,
2: the Chinese posters have him with the with the helmet mm-hmm. on. It was just, right. This old pastor in the original one. Yeah. And and, in the, but these was- but
3: these are the narratives that we're trying to change by making different
0: content. Yeah. You don't understand. I think what was it for Boyega and Star Wars? They kept him like they minimized him on all the posters over there, or took them right. all together. But but, but you yeah. know what's crazy? My homeboy, He's he's a
3: film head like he was showing me how after black panther um in um solo they started putting childish they started putting his pictures you Mm -hmm. know a lot bigger than um i don't know the guy who was playing han solo
2: ordinary rank yeah
3: yeah yeah they started maximizing um donald glover's pictures on the uh, movie posters Mm -hmm. so like like I feel like Hollywood knows when there's like real momentum behind black audiences black movies all those things we just and this where it comes to us like we have to be consistent we have to we have to support Jordan Peele the same way we support 50 Cent like we have to support Mm -hmm. you know Kenya Barris the same way we support Tyler Perry like we can't just only only support these people when they're talking about drug dealers, basketball players, and rappers. We have to talk to them when they're talking about black people in space or aliens. True. Like, yeah. I don't feel like um, my dad's a bounty hunter is getting the proper attention that it deserves.
2: Oh, the anime. Yeah, I a movie. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. No, well, it's a series, but I don't. It's a series. I, I didn't even know it was a, a series. People was a people are t- yeah, yeah, it's a series on Netflix, and people are talking about it, but I don't think they're talking about it enough honestly i mean it's an animated pixar type of movie it should be getting those types of i feel like it should be getting that type of love like just in general like this isn't a movie that only black people can resonate with there's there's a little white girl that should be able to watch that movie and get the same amount of enjoyment
0: so i don't know i I, we're still fighting that's all Mm -hmm. part of that too i will say is promotion i think with us the one negative that black people have when it comes to this content very rarely can we just drop the content and let that speak for itself we always have to have some like for example with it's swarm. before people even knew about the show it was the Chloe Bailey Damson scene that's what was trending yeah, all over Twitter yeah. and that's what everybody swarmed to go see the show like you always have to have some kind of promotion um, that's again, true even like I felt bad for it, but even with Chloe's I think she just dropped the album only sold like 6,000 copies the first week and she did like no. Promotion They're blaming Beyonce team. for that though. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even blame her. I blame her team. Like you don't do any promotion. Yeah, I think the only thing know. I saw about the album was like her putting out a post about like Chris Brown being on the song being on the single, and that was it. I didn't hear and that anything was else. Received
1: about Received actually pretty negatively.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you don't do any kind of promotion about it. You don't drop any other songs. No posters. You don't have any paid promo. Nothing. With us, we always have to have some kind of creative way to get it going. I don't even think it's just us, necessarily. I think part of it, too, is other cultures as well. Well, 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 No, I think
3: to your point, uh, we have a certain level of loyalty to celebrity that, Mm -hmm. I mean, is kind of good and bad. So it's like like I was saying earlier, if you got a cosign, then people will automatically rock with you just off the strength of someone else. Right. You know, um, choosing you. Huh. Which is
2: true, Chris. Which, which also it swings both ways. As far as we we get, we spell a call a spade a spade, in the black community especially, we like to hate on each other sometimes too. Which, as far as like, we're not as fast to get to help each other up as we should be. Um, we're kind yeah. of we feel, we unless, feel like unless
3: you unless you starting to pop It's like is like yeah. once you mm-hmm. kind of like you know a rapper that you know wasn't big at first and you know they get the Mike Jones syndrome. You know back then you didn't want them. Now they hot you all on them. Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> sir. So, you know, a, a lot of us are like that. We wait mm-hmm. until you're, you're popping or we'll wait till Drake does a song with you. So mm-hmm. you know, want to actually look into you. So I feel like and it's not even just celebrity, even with brands like, you know, you put a Nike shoe and a FUBU shoe right next to each other. They, they'll be the exact same shoe. But just put the take the FUBU logo off and put Nike on it and people going to buy it. But mm-hmm. they was overlooking it just because it said fubu on it right. so a lot of times we be loyal to the wrong things exactly the, exactly to, to, to our detriment yeah mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i i mean to make this this podcast. <laughs> oh no no that's, that's what that's what i love these
2: conversations that's what we're, talking about, that's, that's what we're <laughs> talking about yeah because that's I'm, i think that's i think that's important honestly
0: i really if, do if we potting we potting for real i like these conversations i that's, ain't gonna hold you that's that's why i'm wait i'm waiting to see
3: slate and ash yeah, I, I wish <laughs> that would be. I, mean, I can't disclose some of the
2: things about that, but yeah, it was, I'm just messing with you. No, nah, but uh, but yeah, I, I would, I would love for it to be a because that was one thing I t- I'll say real quick. I know Charlie noticed this already before, but there was a one, there was one student that was looking at Slade Nash back in the day before the pandemic, and the one thing they asked about was making sure that changing Ash from being black to white, and I was like. That ain't happening, and of course it looked well, by. So it's like that's the whole mm-hmm. point of the story. It's like because the whole idea they were like, "Is it?" They said, "Is it believable for there to be a black officer, a black you know what? law enforcement?" I know, like, <laughs> 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 I know, I know, I, know I know the world, know the world screwed up. I know that, but this is my story and that's my voice. You know I mean, what's anyways.
3: crazy? What you yeah. call it? Maxine? I think her name was Maxine from um from Living Single. Erica, Erica oh, yeah. Alexander. Yeah. She yeah. said she yeah. went through yeah. the same thing. She was trying to pitch um i think it was concrete park that's her um comic book and they were telling her well black people don't see themselves in the future and that's why they don't watch sci-fi movies like like i didn't think like and this was this was a while ago but like these these narrative <laughs> these narratives about you know, what black people watch and what they don't watch have, have been going on for so long and um you that's know wild. it's it's You know, movies like Black Panther and it's comic books like Slate and Nash that can change these narratives. And we also got to be the change we want to see, because a lot of times we don't always show up the way we should. You know, I I mean, there's just certain there's just certain people that might get more attention or might get more love than others just because maybe they don't have the story that uh, I don't know. I I feel like there's two there's two different there's like mainstream black narratives that everyone wants to rock with and then there's the ones that might not seem as cool like i, I don't know uh, this is this is me kind of going on the rant so yeah. i'm gonna slow down <laughs> the play, the
0: play devil's advocate on that
2: i,
3: I, I feel like we, we we pick and choose which black narrative we want to see in movies Absolutely.
2: and TV shows, but well, and Hollywood does that too. i so yeah, we both, we, yeah,
3: we. That's why I said yeah. we we kind of do that. We, we we perpetuate the stereotypes,
0: but we don't yeah. create them. right? Right. Uh, yeah. I, I I think the play devil's yeah. advocate, part of that, it, it's outrageous when you when you say stuff like that. That that would be a thought, but when you think about, for a large majority of the time, we didn't even promote anything outside of the stereotypes. Like we did yeah. a whole, We've talked to plenty of uh, other older gentlemen, even older than. The people we have on this show now, my other two oh, me. Yeah. And when they talk about when they were younger and they were into nerdy stuff like that, publicly, even nerds that may not have been nerds in the low, low will scrutinize nerds that were public about that stuff. Like that was seen as something that was lame, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So when these studios are seeing what black people are showing up to, they're showing up to all the juices, to all the Boys in the Hood movies. That's why they're going over up and to. over again. So they're going off of money. I'm like, if they're spending exactly. money on this, they don't want to see nothing else. So we're going to keep pushing this They don't want to risk them. it. And plus exactly. they, don't want,
3: they, they don't want to risk it either but you know that's all they've been feeding us so now you're you're thinking that this is the truth when no this isn't the truth this is just like this is just one perspective you haven't mm-hmm. you, you know given the other chance aside but like you went back to you said back in the day like like yo rdc world is probably not even just blurs but they're like they're putting on for the nerd community in a major mm-hmm. way. Like mm-hmm. like don't get me wrong, they're showing up for us, but like RDC world is like one of the biggest things within the blur community. Like they're showing up at the Rock Nation brunch. They got their own con. Like doing NBA events. Yeah, NBA, yeah. They're, yeah. They're,
2: like, like, Exactly.
3: Like the bl- the blur demographic has came a large has came a large way from where we were to the point where we're getting made fun of. For watching anime or liking comedy, like this stuff is pop culture now. Like, mm-hmm. man, I could I could go on days about it, but I feel like times have, have changed, but there's still a lot of work to be done.
2: Yeah, yeah. and one, one of the things, the biggest things too. Uh, now we got we, we're right going long here, but one thing I want to say real quick. I know that we all know this. Uh, one thing Otis and I've talked about several times with Charlie too is just how the black torture porn era, as far as having us be slave portrayed as slaves over and over again, like that oh, was yeah. something that Hollywood thought we wanted to see mm-hmm. as much. And uh, and we we we're trying we're trying to get them to realize no we don't always want to just see ourselves get beat up and slashed to pieces by whips and everything we want to see other things too we want to be celebrated not just beaten up untortured in the past mm-hmm. so the idea of us not enjoying the future movies or sci-fi false we want to see that kind of stuff that's we, we enjoy fantasy about a better world too or all kinds of different things too i think that's
3: the um i think that's the downside to movies like the color purple and roots being successful is that it makes them think that that's all we want to see mm-hmm. or um you know that's the only thing we'll invest our time and energy and money towards because like uh I don't even, i don't even think people realize roots is just one perspective of that the slave trade like there's so many it's so nuanced like there's it's, it's much more than them just coming over and catching us like but uh, what happens is you you you'll internalize that and think that's the story and think that because in school they don't teach you mm-hmm. that you know there was an actual process there was trading going on from africa and all they don't tell you the difference between chattel slavery and and slavery in in africa where you still have rights even though you're like over here we didn't have rights when we Mm. were slaves but you still had slaves and it was two different types of slavery so the you know the slave trade the transatlantic slave trade is much more nuanced than just Mm. a a a generational series such as roots or queen or whatever they try to you know tell us or promote to us it's it's so much more than that but Mm. Going back to Black trauma, we we're like force fed that stuff, and we feed into it. That's why when Tyler Perry was doing his thing and he was on his run, that shit set us back. Movies like that and Precious and oh, yeah, like all precious. those
0: all those things set us back. Yeah. I ain't gonna hold you. That's why I look at King Barris and stuff kind of funny. Like when you look at every single one of the things he's put out as of late, from Blackish to You People, it has that same plot of like Black people do this. White people do this. A uh, black guy gets out and he gets out the hood and immediately goes to white neighborhood. Spends all his money on shoes, that's that's his clothes. And I'm just like, I, <laughs> and like, it is his story. It's, so yeah, and I'm just story. like, damn, bro. Because like, I, I I love Blackish. I watched the hell out of Blackish. But I'm like, if you get a new project. Yeah, try something a little different with like.
3: I can understand it. That's I, just I, my I can I can, it. I can understand the, the the Kenya criticism, and I think um, but I think what it also is is there's also the black people that have like i feel like kenya kenya talks about the struggles of being black and successful which sounds Mm -hmm. like an oxymoron to black Mm -hmm. people (laughs) like that's like he talks about black plight from a perspective of someone who's made it out of certain circumstances and now is the only black person within his circles so like i remember childish was saying that he was the one who beat kenya on getting 30 rock like like Mm -hmm. kenya lost to childish when it came to that opportunity and i think childish was the only black writer in that um in that series so like but these are the what i'm trying to say is these are the struggles that black people go through in hollywood or black Mm -hmm. people that go through that are in another tax bracket because eventually jaden smith and and uh you know, all these success, these, the children of all these successful black actors and entrepreneurs and celebrities are going to want to tell them their stories too. So are they, are they going to be looked at as less black because they didn't have the same life? They didn't have the same middle class or lower class that you did? Because a lot of people at the time, they thought that the Cosby show was going to be a, wasn't going to be a success um, because they thought that you know, uh, uh, a well-to-do upper class black family in America isn't relatable. So I feel like I feel like that's what Kenya's trying to do. I feel like that's his goal, trying to change that narrative of what it means to be black in America and black and successful. But I just feel like the more he keeps putting out the same thing over and over again, I feel like that's gonna get kind of get lost in translation. But I think all these you got Rashida Jones, Tracy Ellis Ross, there's a reason why he works with them. Because Rashida's family—that's that's Quincy Jones' daughter, Tracy Ellis Ross—that's Diana Ross' daughter. I'm sure they have a lot of stories of you know being biracial or being black in the in the entertainment business that maybe we can't relate to, but maybe someone else can relate to. You know that would
2: that, be. That, I mean, that's that, actually, a, like, if you did a biopic like you say on Rashida Jones. Uh, or or Tracy, I mean, it'd be an amazing like biopic, almost seeing the I'm seeing them growing up in that kind of world. It,
3: I mean, it be... would because because eventually, Blue Ivy, Blue Ivy's gonna want to tell I, yeah, the story. Yeah. Like, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Like the the level of success that we have, the more and more we we get to that, I guess that upper echelon. I guess it comes off as we're we're detached from the
0: larger community, but I just think we have to remind people that that we're not. I think that's a struggle though is when you have like whenever you have a person like that in which they grow up successful, or they're kind of disconnected because they have r and p problem like wring problems. <laughs> like again, like Be specifically, right for the longest time we heard what oh, he doesn't like black women, x, y, and z, all kinds of he stuff even up. rich He was just middle class like i'm middle I'm middle class right like, I'm not, but I'm he's not, he's a celebrity hood. at that point. He's I, had he has successful
3: music and stuff popping off. But I think even before that, I think before that, he kind of, he was one of those Black kids that may have felt as though Black women ostracized him. Mm -hmm. So he went towards white women. I'm not knocking it. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, like, whether we want to talk about it or not, like, that's uh, prevalent within the blurry community is all these Black men complaining about Black women not, you know, wanting to be with them when they were children. or when they were teenagers or high school, I feel like that's what childish was. I don't know if he was. He, he was.
2: He was a blurred when it wasn't popular to be a blurred. The difference between exactly. the
0: difference between the two scenarios to me though lies in the fact of when you see a lot of those people within our community kind of scorned by that, in which they they promote those narratives as far as black women not liking them. The difference with Gambino was like he's putting black women in his projects and like putting them in positions to succeed. Like even with this, this show alone, like he brought in a like he brought in Dominique Fishback. I think they even gave her like writing credits or like producer credits on the show as well. Like he's, you people put that narrative on him, but then he's also giving back to his culture. Yeah. I think that's they're
3: in line. Him of and Jordan things. are doing it. Him and Jordan are both mm-hmm. giving black women opportunities, but their their reality is the opposite of that. As far oh, right. as like you know, Childish isn't with Zazie Beats. I think that's the name. Zazie, 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 Zazie yeah, 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 his co-star, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's in real life he's he's with the white woman and, and mm-hmm. so is Jordan and and nothing's wrong with that. I'm I'm just saying like I don't think they um I I don't think at the time I think they felt as though maybe they couldn't resonate with black women or black women didn't like them. And you know, now that now that they're like bigger now, that maybe maybe now they're more mature than what they were. But they they I think there's like a tweet. Or like a post of childish saying something about uh, black women not liking him, or or something like that. I forget what. it was. I
2: feel like I I heard something. Yeah, when when he was younger. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying people.
3: I just don't think people forget that. That's
0: all. Like he might he might not be that person anymore. But also, also, I think a lot of that when you look into the blurred community too, is some a a good not good. I can't. I'm not going to generalize here, but I've seen in plenty of groups where they get hyper-radical in the other sense of like anything white is a negative and they can't get past that. You've seen all kinds of groups to where if you post like a nerd crush and this person isn't 100% black or like Zendaya, like Zendaya has talked publicly about black girl magic and she loves her black identity, but then you have constant of like, oh, she's not really black or she's not X, Y, and Z because she's mixed or because she's not black enough. That's what I'm. I'm like, in that sense it's, we can't get past the fact of they're not the they don't fit the, the the mold so we look at them differently and we give them success and we give them the props but we don't give them the same respect as somebody that's fits the mold which i get yeah. to an extent because you want to see yourself in that person right but at the same time i'm like you gotta like support all of yourself like right. it's, it's kind of weird to me i don't know man. yeah you that's, know, that's that, what i was saying like, like, we yeah, we,
2: right. we are so critical of each i mean back in the day i mean all all younger than me back in the day otis is probably related to the somewhat there was very much a the biggest word that was thrown around was like if you're an Oreo or whatnot as far as if you mm-hmm. aren't doing if you aren't fitting the mold the black mold doing the specific mm-hmm. things that black people do, if you're doing any outside of that norm, fuck you, basically. I and I, no. I grew up in that era. I, I I had to play football, I had to do a whole bunch of things I didn't really want to do that much because I had to try to fit in the norm. And then on my own time I'd read comic books and I'd do other stuff at like that. But I had I had to be very much a closet you, nerd going on. I, I had yeah,
3: to. Was, I had to I mean me. literally I had to. That's
1: yeah, literally literally why I too. played basketball in played high basketball. school. Like mm-hmm. I mean i i mean uh, i didn't necessarily enjoy the sport until i got to college and couldn't play it anymore mm-hmm. um like uh, my my whole like i i was literally telling this story uh earlier today to a bunch of kids at a at a workshop that i was doing but like my next door neighbor uh that i lived next to for i think it was like 25 years almost um neither of us knew each other were blurs, and we had to essentially hide that from each other until the and it's like oh you like naruto i like naruto <laughs> why didn't i know this before but i mean that's the society that we lived in and i mean i'm, I'm glad that it's now changed i'm glad that the the blurred perspective is uh, yeah. now honestly just part of pop culture but i mean yeah, yeah it, it wasn't that way for a long time yeah. I mean, look at
2: your shirt man I'm, i love seeing you wearing that shirt that you're wearing it's mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's it's come a long yeah. way For I mean, me, not, like, like chris said we still have a long way to go but we've come a long way too
3: oh yeah most definitely and yeah. and i think that um you know we're, we're to the point now where like you got people trying to pose as nerds and blurs like mm-hmm. like, like i don't care what no one says like don't get me wrong shout out to fantastic frankie Black people need gatekeepers. We be giving our shit away too many <laughs> yeah. times. You're not you're people. not
0: wrong. You're not I, wrong.
3: I'm not saying that we should be radical. I'm just saying that because of and I'm not talking about just nerds. I'm just saying in general, like we as black people, we're always giving our culture away. So I just think that we need to be protective of our culture. And going within to blur them, I feel like. We can't just be letting posers, you know, act as as if they was rocking with us when it wasn't cool, and now they want to rock with us because it's the wave. Like I don't, I've never been cool with that. I just, I'm not rocking with people who want to watch Dragon Ball Z because it's not watch Dragon Ball Z, but want to like cosplayers. Not, I mean, not cosplayers. IG models. There are IG models out there that will dress as characters. They know nothing about but they want to tap into the the nerd demographic of, of fandoms. And, Mm -hmm. and I get it. I know why you're doing it. I just don't (laughs) expect it. I'm not going to, you know, like me, I don't, I don't watch sports, so I'm not going to, you know, sit here and act like I'm the biggest LeBron James fan, just so I can get more sports followers on my Instagram page. I'll post, don't get me wrong. I post all types of content, but I'm not going to make that, like a target audience of mine because i know i can benefit off of it like right. i wouldn't i would never do that but i feel right. like i feel like people you know they just wanna they just wanna ride a wave and i just don't think this is the wave that people should ride on unless they're
0: gonna commit to it yeah i i agree to, you to an extent on the like financial game part of it like if you're doing it to make money but i think people can, should be allowed to be like a super casual fan of something if you want to like if, if you're I, if it's genuine though like yeah, you saying you're casual, like, you're that's f-
2: perfectly fine if you're casual yeah. but be genuine that's I think that's across the board yeah. Yeah.
0: like yeah like a lot
3: of those like like as far as comic conventions a lot of those comic book writers and a lot of the guests that show up there I, I'm sure a lot of them like are, are disheartened when they see characters that they created being worn by people who don't even know those characters cuz let's be honest the cons now have been cosplay centered majority probably the last decade like it's mm-hmm. like everything else is irrelevant the, like hilton from blur Con had a whole situation because a white girl oh that yeah with, with that, yeah it's like situation. like that has become yeah, the the go-to true. theme of most cons nowadays and it's not really something i'm into i'm just saying like that's a prime example of you know i guess the the disingenuous aspect of Neuroculture becoming pop culture. That's all I'm yeah. trying to say. I and think that happens, like, right? and I'm not making it a black, black no. thing. Either. Like that's everyone's doing that. Yeah, it's
1: inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah, it's inevitable. But before before we get on another tangent, uh let's score swarm. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah let's yeah. A score it. Yeah. yeah. For me, my, my, my bad, Otis. No, you go, you nah, you're good, good. You good. We do that's this. Right. This, is, this, is yeah, nice. this is this is the show. If you watch, <laughs> if you watch this show to any length, tangents are the number one thing we do. <laughs> we. <yeah>. Uh, <laughs> Okay, I guess I'll start for the rare occasion. Um, for me, I'd probably give for him like a seven point five to an eight.
2: Well, really? I let 8. you go. How did you go higher? Nah, I give say... it like an
0: eight. I give it an eight.
2: Okay, I let you go higher? Okay, uh, I'll go. I'll go next, and I would give it a seven because I, I do. It still was a well shot. It was very well shot. The performances were very unique in of themselves. It just kind of some of the house executed was a little off, but I, I still give it a solid
1: seven. Very solid seven. Before I give my answer, I'm oh, curious God. to know, Charlie, what do you think my score is? If you had to, if you had to ballpark it, if
0: I had to guess, you probably get this shit like a six point five to six. I
1: say six. No, nah, it's a 7. seven. It's a seven. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I think there are a lot of good things about it it just didn't have the cohesion that i was looking for in a series like this mm-hmm. but uh if if they were to put out a second season of the show i would definitely watch it and i also I recommend watch other people to watch it because uh i did as well this type of story it is very unique and you can't get another feel like this so mm-hmm. if you uh, if you're watching there this you. and you haven't seen it yet uh, i definitely recommend watching it
2: yeah, Chris, if you get a chance, at least check out one one or two episodes. My favorite episode actually was actually the episode with Leon uh, as her foster father, basically, where he was an extremely abusive father. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I yeah, definitely Chris, if you get a chance, check out the show. At least yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm dude, the, I'm David Ruffin, I used to go call him that.
0: Yeah. David Ruffin is crazy. <laughs> oh man. All right, uh let's let's go ahead and close out of here before we get into another tangent. We've kind of run over anyway. Uh Chris, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We really thank appreciate you, you so much. Um, you. we Can love I... having black intelligent minds around here. If you would before you take off, plug your stuff. Plug yeah, I was going to
3: ask was it okay if I do yeah, that? Yeah, that. Plug, right. plug, plug it off, plug it off. Actually, matter oh, nice, nice. uh, just yeah. it off. All right, so um right now I'm working with Carl Jones at his new animation studio called Martian Blueberry that's at we are Martian B as in boy at we are Martian B on Instagram that's the IG handle they just been nominated um well their project that they did with uh we are invincible no we are invisible they just did a project with the company called we are invisible um called undeniable stories from the Negro Leagues they're being nominated for a Webby award and they need the people's vote to win so, um, please go on the Martian Blueberry page if you can. That's at We Are Martian B. Hit the link tree and vote for um, undeniable stories from the Negro Leagues so we can win. Uh, and that's, you know, I just want to give a shout out to Carl Jones. He's got a big project that he's going to be announcing soon. I would love to come back on here and, and talk about that and hopefully even get him on here so you guys can chop it up with him. Um, follow me at Critics of Culture. Thanks again for having me. And like I said, make sure you guys follow uh Martian Blueberry on Instagram. That's Carl Jones, the producer of the Boondocks and Black Dynamite, started his own animation studio. Let's not drop the ball on this. Let's make sure we support us and uh vote for undeniable stories from the Negro Leagues in our Link Tree.
0: Yeah, I'd love to cover that on the show. If you guys are down for that. Yeah, best best yeah. Co- cover yeah. what? Cover the actual um is it a series or is it a one off? Animated so you're like the Negro mm-hmm. Leagues yeah
3: mm-hmm. okay so they did three animated short episodes so they're not long at all so if you guys want to check them out I, yeah. I definitely recommend they're on it. the
2: site yeah
3: yeah they're on um if you go on YouTube just type in MLB undeniable they should mm-hmm. pop up um as of right now they just I guess they just did those three so uh we don't know or I don't know rather if they're gonna end up doing it again or if it's gonna be an ongoing thing but as of right now, it's, it's just those three. And it's got a lot of information in them, you know, things that we didn't know about. And that's what's so dope about our, our our experience. Like Hollywood hasn't even tapped into like I don't I think Hollywood has barely scratched the surface on what stories they could tell just about black people in America. Like I'm not even talking about the whole diaspora, just black Americans in general, like the things that we've done. Like there's so many stories that they could go into and mm-hmm. um. I would love to see more of that, and thank you guys again for having me.
1: Of course, yeah, I appreciate you having me and if you think that you weren't coming back on at some point, you had another thing coming, my <laughs> friend. You, you, you
3: don't know? have a decision in the matter.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well, look, look. You gotta um, since you the blurred connect now, you you gotta see if you can make you know a blurred Carl Jones connection happen too, because I think they got their own platform too, right? Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. uh
1: so I, I, I guess I can let the cat out of the bag here so uh, as of now I am a, a minority owner of blurred.com and uh, big money the head of the swag the swagger of content so yeah we can we can for sure try to make a connection happen between blurred and Martian B in fact I am very 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 enthusiastic in trying to make sure that happens.
3: Yeah, thank you. Um, um, I guess we'll talk off camera. Uh,
0: church downs before we take off, guys, be looking forward to just some content to look forward to that we have coming. I know I myself am working on the the horror video essay thing, kind of promoting modern black people, uh, or black creators in horror, and kind of my like why this is my favorite era of horror at the moment. Um, we're gonna be working on that hopefully at some point. The DBZ documentary, um, showcasing DBZ's influence on black nerds in general, that'll be. Worked on relatively soon. We got some stuff. We got we got parts of it done. Me and me and Ethan gonna be working on it. We'll, we'll finish it up at some point. So, yeah, yeah we we're we we're gonna <laughs> we we're we, we know what we were gonna do It's just
2: our, our schedules are our schedules hate us. Our schedules mm-hmm. actively hate us. Yeah, all, I'm, R- I'm
3: grown. RDC world.
0: <clears throat> RDC world is a prime example of that. Hmm. I think I have yeah. like we have like clips of them in the actual we uh, do. dot. We do. Uh. So yeah, it's we it's. Do. I'm excited to get that done. But yeah, if you guys. Enjoy what we're doing. Again, if you've seen us anywhere else, please follow us Follow over at the Then and Out podcast on YouTube. You can find us on any audio platform you listen to. Listen to podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Um, and follow us on any social media that you find us on. It's pretty much the Then and Out podcast on just about anything and everything. We appreciate it. So, guys, thank you for your support. We hope for your continued support, and we'll see you guys next time.
1: Peace. Guillermo del Toro, you wish Cabinet of Curiosities was half as good as this seven that we just talked about for Sworn. Jesus Christ.